Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From Luminary, this is British Villains. Back in 1824, there was this bloke called Charlie. He opened a small shop on the Borough High Street where my dad was born. The shop grew and later moved to Knightsbridge to become Harrods, with the motto, Anomnia Omnibus Ubique. All things for all people, everywhere. You spot the irony in those words after you've listened to this podcast. Let me tell you a story about Harrods. It's a grey November day, 1961. The streets are rammed with black cabs, chauffeur-driven cars and wealthy women wearing fur coats. A Rolls-Royce pulls up and a man in a three-piece suit steps out holding the Times newspaper under his arm. Buried in the back pages of that newspaper was a report about a lorry that was stolen just a few days before. The lorry belonged to a uniform shop and it was filled with all types of work clobber, including the traditional long brown delivery men's coat. That same stolen lorry is now parked right outside the front entrance to Harrods. Eight men jump out of the lorry, all wearing long brown coats. They rush to the back of the lorry and they swing the doors open to reveal four long wardrobe racks. Moments later, the men are marching through Harrods, wheeling the racks past the perfumes and watches straight to the service elevator. 
Up three floors they go to the fur department. As they exit the elevator, one of the men in the brown coats immediately asks to see the manager of the department. He hands the manager a memo from the head office stating that the fur coats need to be removed and taken to be cleaned before the Christmas rush. The snooty manager is a bit confused. He walks over and slowly inspects the order form. The paperwork does seem above board. He asks the man in the brown coat, how many furs are you going to be taking? The man pauses a moment and then says, all of them. And before you know it, the whole department's loading the furs onto the racks. The men wheel the racks back to the elevator, down three floors, past the watches, past the perfumes, straight out the front door and into the black lorry that's been idling out front for just a little too long. And by 7pm that night, those same furs are being sold across the river on a stall on the borough market. And that's how proper villains operate. Get in, get out, no fuss. I'm William Green, and this is British Villains. The airport robbery was just something that came up, and my dad, being the lunatic that he was, thought, yeah, yeah, you know, let's do this one. Mickey and Roy would be dressed up as chauffeurs in the Jaguars. It was a perfect getaway car. Roy screeched to a halt. The real thrill would be balancing the car and maintaining control. And blocked all the traffic coming that way. But equally, you'd have to be prepared for the occasions when you weren't in control. The writer Clive Barker supposedly once said, I firmly believe that a story is only as good as the villain. I tend to agree with that. The villains of my dad's era, they had rules. They were organised. There was an honour code between them. I don't think the Great Train Robbery could have taken place if there hadn't been. A year before the Great Train Robbery, Bruce Reynolds and his crew pulled off a slightly smaller caper. As we heard in the last episode, this may or may not have been inspired by some information given to Bruce by Derek Glass, my dad. More on that later. Back to the history lesson with Dick Hobbs. You're talking about the 1960s. Dick specialises in the history of British crime. Much has been made of the end of class in the 1960s. And to cite that end of the class, the British class system, people talk about young working class people coming to the fore in the acting profession, people like Michael Caine, Terence Stamp coming to the fore. As regard to fashion and modelling, people like Twiggy and music, the Beatles, coming through all working class got people coming to the fore and sweeping aside, allegedly sweeping aside the class system. And um, this is uh, largely a myth. Sure, these people did come to the fore, but uh, as we know from looking at what's going on in the UK at the moment, the class system is far from over. In the 50s and 60s, you saw London villains start to get organised. As society put itself back together, criminals started exploring new avenues as well. And in the 1960s, you see the Crays, the Richardsons and other groups in working class neighbourhoods on the street, using weapons, fighting with each other, occasionally fighting with the police and occasionally there were fatalities. There was violence around. This was an era when parents could hit their children, when... Uh, school teachers could hit the children when there was, I remember, a lot of violence in the street when, when I was a kid growing up. So it was a different time. It's a different time. When it comes to violence, 
My dad always told me it's better to be an alive coward than a dead hero. I suspect that he had seen firsthand how unpredictable street violence could be. He always walked away from that type of violence and told me that he never started a row that he couldn't win. I'm not entirely convinced that's true. But plenty of kids grew up without the wisdom of a parent like my dad and chose to stand their ground and fight regardless of their opponent, taking beatings, but honing their combat skills out on the streets. And that violence followed them into adulthood. All of these criminal groups in the, in the post-war era um, started off as young men of violence on the street, on the working-class street of the city, uh, and they used violence. Now, firearms were rare. In, in the 60s, they were, they, were rarely, they were rarely used. But bladed weapons were used. Knives were used, razors were used. And I remember distinctly an era in the 1960s when the open razor, the open barber's razor, was the weapon of choice. And it's a very theatrical thing to, to use. And it was used extensively. London has always had a theatrical relationship with violence, especially when it comes to a public scrap. Let's not forget bear baiting and cockfighting. That was their Saturday night entertainment back in the day. You see, crime in London was first and foremost about survival. But the further in time we get away from London is living through the hardships of war, rationing and enlistment, the less people want to just survive. Ducking and diving of the 1950s was replaced with an appetite for proper money and proper power. The Cray twins are examples of this. They wanted it all. They were straight up villains and they also wanted a touch of class. They wanted to stand out from the crowd and be recognised. Unlike the villains before them who preferred to work under the radar. During the swinging 60s, London villains started hobnobbing with stars like Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra, as well as some high profile politicians and members of the aristocracy. It was a pretty bizarre social mix considering what some of these villains were getting up to. And the villain who was most at ease mingling with the who's who's crowd was Bruce Reynolds, who wrote in his autobiography, In crime circles, the right clothes are as important as the right car and being seen in the right place. Bruce Reynolds' case, who I think is the most fascinating man, he's quite clear there that if, if when he had money, he wanted the best. So he had you know, handmade shoes, he had handmade suits, and he went to the best places. He, had, he went to the best meat restaurant at a time when we're not far out of rationing you know don't forget these these guys have been as kids have been through the war they'd they'd seen terrible things food was a rarity good food was a rarity and when he had the money he spent it on the good stuff he spent it on the, the good drink the good food the good life it's it's what he wanted it was that notion of the good life and certainly um, he got it of course this was just a form of theater a villainous Savile Row suit. He was playing a role, writing his own scripts. When he was suited and booted, he could see himself, not just as rich, not just as a member of the ruling class, but as a decent and respectable citizen. They wanted to be respectable businessmen. They wanted the, the house in the stockbroker belt. They wanted these things. It was, you know, in that respect, they're pretty normal. That's what... Lots of people want. But I, I agree that, that, that there, there is this kind of aspirational aspect to, to some of those 60s villains in so much as they, they actually wanted to become part of the establishment. 
Bruce said I had my shirts made at Turnbull and Lasso, my shoes made at Lobb. That's my dad, Derek Glass. So I was going, Christ almighty, I'm buying stuff from Clark's. You wanted to look like a gentleman. But only a little. I don't think my dad shared Bruce's obsession with luxury. Everyone wore suits in those, those column and tie. And when we met, I noticed they've got different suits on. So I had the same suit, so it was a bit embarrassing. So every time we used to go out, they'd be in a different suit. Gordon Goody was the same. Gordon was Bruce's right-hand man. So we were to meet in the Guinea pub next to Annabelle's at 7.30. Dinner was for quarter to eight. Buster and I got there, walked in the pub, um, two gin and tonics, please. And about two or five minutes later, in walked Bruce and Gordon. Well, Bruce looked absolutely immaculate. He had this beautiful white dinner jacket, beautiful dress shirt, you know, the collar above his suit collar, the cuffs shown, smoking his Monte Cristo cigar. What do you have in Bruce? Bottle of Viva Clico, please. Four glasses. Have a drink here. Going to Annabelle's. Ah, good evening, sir. Nice to see you, Mr. Reynolds. Bruce would then tip the the porter, the porter would tell him, I'm going to book my friends in. He said, yes, sir. Book us in. Showed us to our table. Bottle of Viva Clicquot, please. The waitress said, okay. Came over. Took our order for our food. I know what we had. Potted shrimps and a Dover sole, which is filleted at the table. Drink, sir. A bottle of Corton Charmelaine. Thank you very much. The gentleman villain. Or maybe just the gentleman. It's the part they all aspired to play. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? 
look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. So he used to pretend he was a bit of a gent, right? And drive, like, flash cars and dress well and... He had an Ashley Martin, Bruce. Right, you know and he mean. was but pretended he was posh. Yes, that's right. But he wasn't posh. No, he was a hooligan. In the smoky hotel bars of London's affluent West End, men like my dad began telling each other stories, swapping lies, as they used to call it. In 1962, a new story started to make the rounds. Some inside information about a possible wage snatch, but not your average get-in, get-out wage snatch. This was different level. The tip. Quite a bit of cash would be, shall we say, obtainable at Heathrow Airport if a crew of men happened to be in the right place at the right time. This was right up Bruce's alley. Dressing up. A bit of theatrics. So the job was named the Heathrow job. Not a lot of planning went into that name. As Bruce's son, Nick Reynolds, put it. The airport robbery was just something that came up, and my dad, being the lunatic that he was, thought, yeah, yeah, you know, let, let's do this one. As with all of this, there are a lot of accounts of the Heathrow job. Where the truth lies is probably part fact, part fiction. But the one thing everyone agrees on is the role of Roy James, or the weasel as he was known, because he was a small fella and had the ability to get in and get out of very small spaces when required. Roy was a London-born silversmith, but with a dream of becoming a Grand Prix racing car driver. That dream was initially plausible because in his day, Roy was considered to be one of the best drivers on the Formula 2 circuit, the stepping stone to Formula 1. He had the reputation of being extremely fast without being dangerously reckless, which is exactly what you want when you're looking for a getaway driver. Yeah, he was a tremendous driver, and as, you know, he was my dad's getaway driver. They'd done quite a few, um, quite a few jobs, and he, no, he was the best in the business. Most people, you know, they get into a bit of a tank slapper and then they crash because they don't know what to do when it slides. But these guys, all of them would be brilliant. Any Formula One driver would be, because they know what happens when a car slides. My name's David Tremaine. I'm a freelance journalist who covers the FIA Formula One World Championship and have done since 1988. Haven't missed a race since then. David never met Roy James. James died in 1997, but he knows all about Formula One and Roy James's attempt to break into the fastest club in the world. Because Roy James was a good driver, a really good driver. He knew how to handle a car on the racetrack with people on his tail while keeping a cool head. But why did he gamble such a gift, such a bright future by hanging around with villains? 
I think Roy probably mixed with the wrong people from an early stage, didn't seem to have too many ethics when it came to sort of being the wrong side of the law. Well, Roy, he was born in Fulham in 35, and then he came from a broken home. And I guess in those days in the, what, the 50s, it would be coffee bars and hanging out together. And uh, yeah, I can imagine in a certain set of circumstances that if you were of the right persuasion, you could fall into villainy quite easily. Motorsport is a very expensive pastime, and Roy would have needed huge amounts of cash to fund his passion. And being the working class boy with a rough accent, he was unlikely to attract any sponsorships to bankroll his career. Certainly in the 50s and 60s, it was a very glamorous thing to be a race driver. So you could have a very fun time and you could earn reasonably well out of it. You know, nothing like what they get paid now, but you could have a good life. But Roy James struggled to make it his full-time living. He loved racing. That was the thing. Um, I wouldn't say the criminal side was to finance racing because he was doing that anyway. He'd sit in the bar and talk motor racing till the cows come home with everyone. But I think it's fair to say, I mean, Roy James was a cat burglar and I'm sure he got thrills from that. And he was good at climbing up drain pipes and going over roofs and all that sort of thing, which again, um, I would say that's an indication, the fact that he did that successfully, that he had the right balance that you need as a driver and everything else. Personally, I disagree. I think Roy James would have been much happier to have just raced cars and left the thieving to his friends. But thieving paid the bills. If he wanted to get ahead, he had to earn the funds any way he knew how. And that's just the way things were back then. The class system was designed to keep the working classes in their place. And driving racing cars was a sport reserved for the rich and privileged. Which brings us to Heathrow. Or Thethrow, as it was later named. London Heathrow Airport. It's all about wage day. I'll let my mum explain. Do you know about any of that before it's happening? Of course you do. You know, because they say it's, it's off. They're... Their words would be, it's off tonight or it's off next Tuesday. You all know, because... It's off meaning it's on. Yeah, because what they had to do, don't forget, they had to go, people got paid each week, they had to go and watch, say, on the day the money went to the places, to watch it come in and, um, you know, get the timing right. If they were, say, going to do a job, they used to call it, they would go up to the building or the place where they were and they'd watch what was happening. They'd do it on the same day that they knew that the money was being delivered and they'd do that for several weeks before they decided when they were going in to do it. Let me paraphrase here. In those days, most people weren't paid by cheque. Your salary, your wages came in cash, stuffed into an envelope. That meant at your factory or place of work, on payday, there'd be a lot of cash hanging about. It came from the bank, so I don't think it had all these... They had pretty strong vans, but I don't think it was so sophisticated as it is today. The Heathrow job has appeared all over the place. It's been fictionalised on TV. Generally, it's Bruce Reynolds that's been credited as the architect of the job. But... My, my part in this was with Bruce planning getting the people. All right, my dad says that it was him. 
all the planning and prepping, which included recruiting the core members of what would become Bruce Reynolds' crew. It started with a tip-off he got from a friend, that on the grounds of the airport at the time, there was a place called Comet House. These were the offices of the British Overseas Airways Corporation, which later became British Airways. But the important detail was that Comet House was very close to a branch of Barclays Bank. I went over there and I said, what's that? He said, oh, that's Comet House. He said, that's where all the staff live. Right. And what's that? He said, oh, it's the bank. I said, no, what happens? He said, well, that's where they get the money from, go over there. And it's van. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So I told Buster, I said, have go have a look at this. So I showed it to him, and I said, this is where it's all going. He said, well, I'm interested in the bank. So he got Bruce involved. The bank where the wages came from. Wages for the entire airport staff, without fail, every week, like clockwork. Now, in Bruce's book, another bloke gave him the tip on the job. Not my dad. And yet, here's my dad saying he's the one who gave them the job. Is it possible Bruce changed some things around in his book? Of course. This is how it's always been. A bit of info here and a bit more there. Nothing concrete. And I think that's how my dad likes it. So, Bruce had a look at the Comet House. Right. He said, well, we'll see what goes on ourselves. And then they plotted up on it. Timed it how long, when it left the bank, how it got to Comet House. Right. And then timed that. Then if I, well, where's the escape route? Now, it's on the A3, that side. The A3 is a freeway heading out of London. But there was fencing all around. <clears throat> well, Gordon, searching the premises, found there was a gate, a wire, big gate. Gordon Goody. Goody, with a big chain and a lock on it. Right. So he said, well, that won't be difficult. Just go. So, how long do you scope these places out for before you, at this, like, how long do you look at this? Well, until you're absolutely sure. Because what I'm saying, they said, right, we'll have a look at it. And uh, now, this is what they're going to do. They were going to dress up as gentlemen, bowl hats and umbrellas, which was the common uniform in those days for business people. And the rest of them. Mickey and Roy would be dressed up as chauffeurs in the Jaguars. So Mickey and Roy were the drivers. Drivers. Driving Jaguars. Jaguars. It was a perfect getaway car, and it was his getaway car of choice. That's David Tremaine again, our Formula One expert. He and Mickey Ball, who was another carter, were the two best guys, seemed to be the best, two best getaway drivers. So often they would run these Mark II, Mark II Jaguars. And when they did the um, the bank robbery at Heathrow with the BOAC payroll, they used two of these. One of the things I really liked was that he'd rigged up the brake lights so he could use them manually. So he would be braking with the foot brake, but the lights would come on. So if the cops were behind him, he, it would appear that he was leaving his braking super late. Then he'd flick on the thing. And of course, he was braking, but the police weren't. So by the time they got to the point where they thought he was braking when the light came on, he'd already got on the brakes and was going to get round the corner. And sometimes they didn't. And besides which, I mean, he was a, a very, very good driver. And he had these cars really well set up. 
And by that I mean, you know, I used to have a Mark II Jaguar. Um, didn't always want to go around corners. Had a great big steering wheel, um, what, what they call understeer, where it doesn't follow the line that you choose, it runs wide. Um, but he, he had it set up so it tracked really well through the corners. For somebody like him, the real thrill would be balancing the car and sliding it through corners and maintaining control. But equally, you'd have to be prepared for the occasions when you weren't in control. And I think he would have been, like most of the guys of that era, getting a buzz from that. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. So we have the crew. We have the costumes. We have the cars. What about the protection? 
Bruce's philosophy, no arms. Never have any arms on a job. And they used to have, like, they in their umbrellas, they used to make put a bit of piping there in There was it, a just... bit of piping in the umbrella, yeah. On the day, the crew, dressed in suits and bowler hats, walk into Comet House. They go upstairs to the bathroom on the fifth floor. Outside are two getaway cars. Two Jaguars parked nearby. Bruce Reynolds looking every part the city gent is sitting in the back of one of the Jags, reading a newspaper. The wages van arrives. The crew inside spot the van, hop in the elevator, run down to the lobby. Right on time, they burst out the elevator and confront the security guards. Now, like my dad explained, the umbrellas had been outfitted with iron or lead piping on the inside. So is it possible that in the course of the crime, two security guards were roughed up? Well, regrettably, yes. Although, once again, his side, your side. They didn't use any violence. Regardless, the villains get the money, roll it out to the getaway cars and scarper. Quick sidebar here. On the way out, someone nicks a package that's sitting on a counter. More on this later. Back to the action at Heathrow. Roy James is about to show us what he's capable of behind the wheel of a Jaguar Mark II. The car was nicked, chosen for its speed and handling around corners. But that wasn't enough detail when you had one of the best racing drivers in the country in the cockpit. Roy had all of his getaway cars customised by a mechanic they called Tommy Quick. Clearly no explanation needed on his name. Unfortunately, Jaguars were designed to be very low to the ground so any rough driving would cause the car to scrape the road's surface. So Roy had the exhaust pipes redirected so they folded upwards and out through the trunk. With this adjustment, the car was easily able to hit speed bumps at lightning pace. Roy reversed up to the thing. They threw the box in the boot and three of them got in Roy's car and the others got in Mickey Ball's car. Well, a guy was driving down the road, a busybody in an Austin A40, saw what was happening and tried to block the entrance to Mickey Ball. Oh, really? It clipped his car, knocked it out of the way, and Roy waited for him. Mickey Ball went past, but Roy put his foot down and steamed doing 120 mile an hour on the A3, set a traffic lights, and just as he got there, the lights changed. Roy screeched to a halt, and blocked all the traffic coming that way. There was a big lorry coming that way. Oh, so he stopped the stopped traffic. Stopped the traffic. So Mickey could... Ball would have got caught. Right. So Mickey then got past, and then they both right. tore off. Right. Old Bill was coming down the dual carriageway the other side. Right. Going to Comet House. So right. they got away. Went to Tariff Construction, where we had a car. So where over. would you... So you... You'd whiz through London, right? Yeah. And there probably wasn't a lot of traffic no, those days, no. right? So you do the robbery, you you got and you where'd you go? A safe house you've already arranged yeah, or Yeah, we've already arranged that. Got rid of the cars, dumped the cars, got the money, counted it out, one as much as they said well what was in there, supposed to be in there, but it was about um, 70, 80 grand, something like which that. Which is what, <clears> like ten grand a piece? Something like that. So anyway, we had a cur up. <clears throat> so that was nice. In fact, the gang were pretty disappointed. Bruce Reynolds said he thought they were going to pull 400 grand, equivalent to $11 million today. Here's his son, Nick. They were very disappointed. There was uh, much less than they thought thought there. Um, But on the other hand, it was relatively successful, I suppose, because uh, only one of them got caught. Here's how the crime played out afterwards. 
Almost everyone in the gang got away scot-free. Bruce, of course, buggered off to the south of France. But what happened to Mickey Bull, the childhood friend to Roy James and the driver of the second getaway car? He was arrested and sentenced, the only one of the crew charged. The police offered Mickey deal after deal to name the other robbers. But he didn't talk. Now that's loyalty. Mickey Ball got done for the Heathrow job, but um, Roy got away with it. That's David, our Formula One expert. Certainly Roy James wasn't one of the ones that went bludgeoning people, although, to be fair again, in the um, Heathrow raid, other guys were quite violent, and he was associated with them. So, you know, you have to bear that in mind. Now, the police suspected other members, but they didn't have any real evidence. Bruce Reynolds was still in France, so he wasn't around to be interviewed. The closest Scotland Yard got to a suspect was Gordon Goody, a.k.a. Checkers. Yeah, well, what he did, he, he was very, very shrewd. <laughs> he, was very, he was very clever. Now remember, all the thieves had been wearing bowler hats during the job. Well, Gordon's hat fell off in the midst of things and became a piece of evidence. It looked like Gordon might get nicked. But thinking on his feet and providing a £200 bribe, Gordon paid a crooked policeman to swap the hat with one three sizes larger. And um, when they were in court in front of the witnesses, they said, is this the person? And hold on, we go put the hat on him. And of course, when they stuck the hat on Gordon, it fell way over his ears. <laughs> and so, so it, 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 no way could it have been his hat. So he got away with it. Basically, to paraphrase a famous American lawyer, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. here are some of the consequences of the Heathrow robbery. A couple of security guards got whacked with lead pipes disguised as umbrellas. A crew of villains got away with tens of thousands of pounds in stolen wages. Mickey Ball got nicked. Bruce Reynolds fucked off to France. And one of the villains now sees the value in a good piece of information. And Scotland Yard were left reeling because they had not been able to toss the whole lot of them in jail. But now they were a known crew. Their names were put on a police list. This list will play a major role when it comes time to solving the Great Train Robbery. Like I mentioned, the Heathrow job didn't turn out to be quite the take that Bruce had hoped for. The consequence of the disappointing payday was that the Great Train Robbery had to be the next job. Bruce had waited a long time to land the big one, and he was convinced that this was it. One final thought. Remember that box that was stolen from the Heathrow job? Well, a few days later down the pub, a couple of the crew decided to open it. Disappointingly, it was just a couple of moody watches, meaning there weren't anything expensive like a Rolex or an Amiga. My dad offered to knock them out down the market. But the watches didn't make it to the market because my dad actually knew quite a bit about watches, as it turns out. And these were a couple of very special watches made by the Swiss watchmaker, Patek Philippe. According to my dad, they were allegedly supposed to be delivered to a very special bloke with a very famous wife, who may or may not have had the initials HRH, His Royal Highness, before his name. More next time on British Villains. Most of the professional criminals of the 1960s went comparatively unnoticed 
you know, my, my dad did stand out amongst his peers. Because they're touchy people, they can be touchy people. So the, the personal can overlap into business. The robbing wasn't about the money, it was about the planning and, uh, and getting away with it. From Luminary, British Villains is a production of The Cut, Ninth Planet Audio, and Western Sound. Executive producers are William Green, Aaron Ginsberg, Jimmy Miller, Hans Sarney, and Ben Adair. The show was written by Rosecrans Baldwin and Vanessa Sadler. Nick Reynolds and Edward Rose composed the theme. Music by Michael Cruz. Producers include Christina Moore, Annette Runhell, and Stephanie Aguilar. The show was sound designed and engineered by Dan Leone. Up next, episode four, The Crew. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.